Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Now, as we begin today, I want to take you back a week ago to follow me. There's a couple incidents that have happened that, that I'll bring together at the end, but last week was... Uh, for Crosswalk Kids, I helped at Crosswalk Kids, and I was in charge of the toddler room for the 9 a.m. service. And I had 11 kids in the room, 11 kids between 18 months and I think maybe three years old. And thankfully, Greta was there. Thank you, Greta. Had my back. Jace Freiberger was also there. So we had three of us for these 11 kids. And it was just, it was an experience because I haven't been around kids that age in a while. And I broke my streak of seven years without changing a diaper. I had that broken. I had to change a diaper even. So I'm now a week with having, having changed the diaper. And... One of the things is with these kids, these kids are, I know Greta does it all the time. She, she loves these kids. She's always like, Dad, you got to do the toddler room. It's awesome. And they are. They're so fun. And we're on the floor the whole time, and they're crawling on you, and they're laughing, and we're playing, and it's all good. And then in the midst of this, every once in a while, excuse the expression, but it's like all hell breaks loose. And there's just like screaming, and it's like... What in the world is going on here? And, and usually what it is in those situations is two children fighting over a toy. And it, it happens like clockwork every maybe five to seven minutes where you're going to have an altercation. And so you go over there and you sit down by them and the looks in their eyes that, that it's frustration and anger and the only, these kids really can't talk very much other than to say no and mine. And so that's pretty much the, the conversation going back and forth. And, and I, now I can understand where, when I've heard moms teaching their children when they say things like, use your words to, to try to let someone else know what's going on. And in the middle of that, to try to stop the fighting, keep the peace, and have them go on. And, and it's just difficult, especially because these kids cannot tell you what's wrong or, or what exactly they want. So that's one incident. Now I want to take you to another incident, and this goes back to when I was a freshman in high school. And I, one of the people I went to high school with in the dorm was my cousin. My cousin's name was Jim. And we grew up together. Uh, he was as close to me and still is as close as a brother. And we went through high school, college, and the seminary together. And I still remember one day, I, I remember the room we were in. I don't remember what it was that set me off, but it was him. I know it's something that he said. And I still remember that day because it was the most bloody fight I have ever been in. That it was a situation where, I mean, I went at him. I, I was like crazy mad. And then he got crazy mad. And it was just 
fists and wrestling. And finally, some guys pulled us apart. And just, I, I just remember this. Go, I remember going into the bathroom and seeing just the blood on myself and then trying to figure out which of it came from me and which of it came from him. And, and, and I, that as we were doing that and have that, that fight, it, we talked about it, we're going to talk about it later, and to this day, I still don't even remember what the issue was. But, but if you've ever been in that situation where finally you've had enough, and, and you kind of blow up, and, it, and it's like, at what point is sanity and peace going to be restored? And what could make you do that to someone you care about that much? final situation, and that is being as a pastor at Crosswalk. And as a pastor at Crosswalk, as not just a pastor, but a, a fellow Christian brother in Christ to you, that I have had the opportunity to see family situations and uh, just relationships where people get out of control. Uh, very often, the, the ones that I witness are verbal they, that, that people will say things, that people will do things, that they will admit to me later that they do things on purpose to, to hurt one another. And some of those things are very, 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 very deep and harmful, and the scars of them continue to today. I bring up those three situations in order from the time from when you're youngest to high school to when you're older to, to show you that when it comes to relationships, that first of all, when there are issues, number one is it's very often easy to point out sinful behavior. With the kids, you're trying to take a toy that belongs to someone else. You know, it's call it sinful, call it wrong, whatever you want it, that you're misbehaving. The, for me, the second you take a swing at your cousin, what are you thinking, dude? Seriously? You, what, what you're doing is wrong. And, and even in, in situations with, with the family things, they, they come from anger or whatever, but you take a step back and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? So that's the first thing, is that it's easy to establish the wrongness of it. But the second part is to bring healing. If healing is going to take place, it has to start with understanding. To, to be able to listen to someone and to find out where they're coming from. And, and even for them, most of the time, people don't even understand their own emotions. They don't understand why they're so upset. They don't understand what led up to that and to try to listen to them as they piece it together and as, as they share it with you. And in some ways, they're discovering themselves how they got there. The reason why I bring this up today is because in our country right now, we have some serious issues. And it is easy when you turn on the news to, to watch the wrong behaviors and, and the sinful behaviors. And there is a time and there is a place to condemn it. 
to, to look at what is done and say, this is wrong. What you did is wrong. And it needs to be said publicly so that it, it does not happen again or other people do not think that this is, this is correct behavior. And I don't care who the behavior is from. I, I don't care if, it, if it's a person on the street or, or if it's someone in authority. When someone does something that is wrong, it needs to be called out. Now, I think a problem that we have as we look at that, we, we, we go there. But we also need then, as we look at healing, that in order for healing to take place, there also needs to be understanding. And as you, you start to do the understanding, the understanding doesn't come from me speaking all the time, but the understanding comes from me trying to understand a point of view that before that time period or before that day, I don't understand. And one of them in particular, I, I think that that's going to come out is there is a questioning of our justice system in our country. When we think of justice, there's, you can think of the justice with the scales and with a blindfold over her eyes. The problem is I think many of us think that, that maybe the blindfold is, is lifted up a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't know about you. Do, you. do you think or believe that people who have more money and more access to lawyers receive a different brand of justice than people who don't? I don't know. Do you think the justice system is not colorblind? That depending on the color of your skin that you receive a different brand of justice? And for some of you, you might not even want to hear that. But at some point, when healing takes place, whether you agree with it or not, you need to begin to hear it. And you need to begin to understand it. Because this is what, is, this is what happens. And, and this is what happens in all of those situations as well. And that is, Satan makes us believe that our brothers and our sisters are our enemies. Satan makes us believe that my cousin was my enemy. There are times he makes me believe that my wife, that your spouse, that another fellow Christian is your enemy. And nothing can be farther from the truth. And if you go forward with that mentality that they are my enemy and they need to be defeated at all costs, you've lost before you started. Now, the purpose of this message is not that we are going to solve all the world's problems today, okay? I understand that. And if really where we begin is, that we start today is, is having some understanding that at least it's a start, but with the message title, it doesn't matter what you do. I want you to think of the issues with our country, and there's a part of me that doesn't think I can help at all. What can I do? I'm a pastor in South Phoenix, and these problems are happening in, in Dallas and St. Paul and Baton Rouge. I mean, they're, they're just, there's nothing that I can do. It's just too big, and I'm too small 
to make a difference. Sometimes I think that way. And then the other times what I think is my thoughts and attitudes and irresponsible words and comments and jokes. But that doesn't make a difference either. And that that it doesn't add to the problem. When in reality, it does. So as we look at this message, this idea of it doesn't matter what you do, that we're going to take a look at it from a number of different angles. And I'm going to tell you that as we look at this today, this this issue of of having problems in relationships, whether they be in our family, in our church, in our country, that we are going to look at them through a unique angle of God's word that our community, if they are not Christian, will not understand. But it is imperative that you understand. It is imperative that as you go out and and you deal with, with those around you, that you first start with your relationship with Christ and understand what an impact that you can be in your family, in your church, in your community, and in your world. So where we start is we're going to start in Romans. Romans chapter 4, verses 25 through 5, verse 1. And we start, he was delivered over to death. He was delivered over to death. And I need you to start there today because I think this this week might help you with the way that you should feel about this, but or the way that I should, but I but I don't. Because what is the issue this week? The issue is that people have died. The issue is that, that people have been killed. And when we look at that, we are outraged by it. That we see that and we look at those deaths and we say, those deaths should have never taken place. But as we look at these words, referring to Jesus, but Jesus, he was delivered over to death. And when we look at those words, he was delivered. Who was he delivered by? He was delivered by God, by the Father. Jesus delivered himself over to death. And so as we look at a situation where, where we look at a police officer and we are upset because we say they are not supposed to die, that they are supposed to live as they protect, when we think about a citizen who's supposed to be safe and, and feel protected, that we look at those situations and we say they are not supposed to die. But now as we look at the Son of God coming into the world, and we see he was delivered over to death. It wasn't a hazard that came because of his job. It's why he came. Jesus came, the Son of God, true God and true man, came to die. He was delivered over to death. And then the next words. For our sins. And that, that now takes a whole new level as you look at the death, that now what, what has established, what has been established is the cause of death. 
that if you look at the cause of death of Jesus Christ, it's directly connected to you. It's directly connected to me. It's directly connected to not only our activities that are sinful, but our hearts, which are full of sin. So if you have an attitude that says, it doesn't matter what I do, that we look at this and understanding the actions that you have committed, what they've done. They have necessitated the death of Jesus Christ. That if he is going to pay for sin, because of your actions, because of my actions, that's what brought this about. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified. We are declared not guilty before God, even though we have sinned. I need you to frame these verses in, in, in the context of what we are going through today. I want, I want you to look ahead three, six, nine months, a year from now. And there are going to be trials, right? There's going to be trials for, for police officers to, to look at what was done. Uh, there's not going to be a trial. The, the individual in Dallas is dead. But there's going to be a trial. And with this trial, there is going to be a determination of guilt or innocence. And I want you to think in your head what it will look like. You know what it's like right now. Imagine if a not guilty verdict is going to be rendered. Especially if you look at these situations, and, and there are probably people here who would say it's obvious they're guilty, and then there are other people who would say it's not obvious they're guilty, and, and you don't know exactly what went on. I'm telling you, there's all different views of this, and you can hear all of them. All you got to do is watch TV, and people are not af afraid to give their opinion. But imagine what would happen. The outrage that someone who was guilty is found innocent. And every one of us in this room is in that situation. That's what it means to be justified. It means that as Christ was delivered over to death for your sins and was raised to life for your justification, it means that as you stand before God, not only does he not punish you for your sins, but you are found not guilty of them. That there is a pronouncement of your innocence for the very sins that you know you have committed. It's craziness. It's craziness and it's the only plan that would satisfy both God's need for justice and his love for you at the same time. And we accept this on a weekly basis like it's no big deal. But in our lives when we are called to see it, and, and we see someone on the other side of it receiving what we have received from God, we are outraged. We, we believe that society is falling apart. If, we tr if others are treated or if we are treated as Christ was treated.
And the outcome? We have peace with God. The tension, the strife, the separation caused by sin was done away with through the kindness and grace and mercy of Christ. In the blank, you can write, Jesus' perfect life and sacrificial death restores our relationship with God. In God's eyes, it's just as if I never sinned. say it doesn't matter what I do, but it certainly matters what Christ has done. And we live in the light of that every day of our life, and it gives context to the lives we live. So we continue. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. The word trespass also means sin. And what it's saying here is there's the law was brought in. We understand what laws are, but especially God's law. God's law was brought in so that trespass, so that sins might increase. That doesn't mean that, that we are going to sin more. God said, don't do this, so now we sin more. But rather, the, the way I would describe it is this, is, is for me to say, I have never killed anyone. I've never committed adultery. I've never stolen anything. I've never been caught stealing anything. The, that as I look at that, when you look at the letter of the law, that I, I, I would say, yeah, I haven't done those things. But when Jesus comes in and, and he says to us, you know, those of you who think you've never committed murder, I tell you, you know, you've heard it say don't commit a murder, but I tell you, anyone who has said to his brother, you fool is in danger of the fires of hell. Now all of a sudden with Jesus speaking in those terms, and I think in terms of people that I have called names, I'm like a mass murderer. Uh, with all the people that I have hurt, with all the words that I have spoken, with all the, the harm that I have caused. When, when we think of that in terms of, of the sixth commandment, when Jesus explains it more clearly, that when, uh, not only when you commit adultery, but when you look with lust, when you do things to hurt or harm your marriage partner or your marriage itself, that all of a sudden people who are feeling very confident of themselves now begin to see the pain that they have caused to someone who is very close to them and they are seen as guilty. You can go on and on with each commandment to see that when Jesus explains them more clearly, when he opens and expands the law, that we see how much we truly have sinned. But this, it's important to read on though because it says the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase so you might realize how much you've sinned. But where sin increased, I love these words, grace increased all the more. So that as you have a heightened understanding for your need of Christ, grace increases and you realize that Christ covers all of those sins. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's what Jesus did in his ministry. He had a grace reign. Let's let's fill in the blank right away. God gives his law to expose my sin. Jesus' payment for sin ushers in a new life-giving grace reign in my life. And Jesus' grace reign can be seen in his ministry. 
were an individual who was a thief, basically. Well, one of them was a thief, the thief on the cross, the the person who had done bad. Uh, Another one would have been a tax collector who made money by overcharging on taxes. Uh, That Jesus went to those who were hated by society and he said, you know what, grace reigns, you are forgiven. That he goes to an adulterous woman who is caught in the act of adultery and says, whoever is without sin, throw the first stone. Grace is going to reign today. Your sin is forgiven. And you can go on and on with individuals where Jesus approached them in his life. Those who were marginalized by society. Those who had clearly done wrong. Those who had been found guilty in so many different ways. And now there was a grace reign. Forgiveness for everyone. And that's what reigns in our hearts as well. Knowing Christ and forgiveness, grace reigns. You are forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you do. God's love for you is unconditional. We continue. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? All right, grace reigns, which means I'm not in trouble anymore, which means I get to do anything I want. Yeah, in the blank, fill that in right away. The sinful nature conclusion, I can sin all I want because Jesus has paid for all of them. And here we get the misconception, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what I can do, or I can do anything I want because Jesus forgives it. But what changes this and and what helps us to see this is is understanding what Christ has done for us. Okay, we have that fill-in done already? Yes, sinful nature conclusion. Let's go to the next verse. By no means, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So now that Christ has taken that sin away, and now that we are free to live for him, that that it is natural for a Christian to start to have an aversion to sin, to look at sin differently, not as something that is enticing and something that I want to do, but rather something that I stay away from. Maybe, yeah, Jesus put it this way. To, to try to show that. He, 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 he used the example of someone going back to sin like a dog returning to its vomit. You ever have a dog? You ever have a dog do that? Oh, they throw up, and so you go and you, you go to get the paper towel, and by the time you get back, they're like, buy it, and they're like, hey, it's still good. They evidently have the five-second rule in their stomach. That they, and you just look at it and you're like, that is so nasty on so many different levels that it's just gross. I could talk some more about throw up too. But, the, but think about, maybe a, another way just that makes me think about that is when at nights when our kids were young especially and they got sick in bed and, and you would have to go and you'd have to clean up the sheets and you, usually I would take the bed, Tanya would take the child and try to clean up. When they got back, they didn't say, oh, the bed's clean, now I get to puke in it again. They'd be like, no, 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 no. You don't, first of all, we don't want to do that. But even if you have to, use the garbage can. But if, even if you do, we love you and we'll clean you up again. And that is what it's like for us with Christ as well. 
That is the heart of a Christian. And as we look at sin, that's not what I want to live in. That's not what I want to do. See how sick that sin makes me. A grace reign is thankful for what Christ has done and has a desire to continue to follow him. In the blank, you can write, the new man conclusion, sin is so nasty. Now that I am clean from it, I want to stay as far away from it as I can. I want to live for Christ. I want to live as he would have me live. We continue. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now you look at this as an opportunity. Having been forgiven by Christ, understanding that now I have this new relationship with God, that I have the the, the new man inside of me which wants to do what is right and wants to serve God, I have this opportunity and privilege every day to live in a way that before Christ I could not. And to truly do good, to truly in my life show love to God and show love to others as he is living inside of me. In the blank you can write, My sinful nature is drowned in baptism. Now I get to live a new life. And in these words, with this being drowned in baptism, and and we look at that picture of baptism, that that you what is being done is the sinful nature gets it's pushed under. And, And that's why when teaching about baptism, I love the illustration that the Bible gives us of Noah's ark. See, Noah, when he had the ark, there was, the ark is, is a, that whole picture of the flood is a, an interesting picture because the water plays two roles. On the one hand, the water drowns the sinful people around who are, who are trying to, you know, go against God and continuing to go against him. But that water also floated the boat, which floated that ark, which, which ultimately saved him. And that's the picture of what you have going on in your life. First of all, in baptism, but every day after your baptism, as you do the same. As you confess your sin, it it pushes the head of your sinful nature under the water and say, that is not who I am. And as you fight that, and as you confess it, and as you repent of it, and as you're forgiven for it, the new man rises up. Asking, Lord, what can I do to serve you today? Lord, how can I thank you for all the goodness you've done to me? We continue. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from Christ. There's going to be a song later, No Longer Slaves. It's a great song. And and I want you, as you hear it later, to remember these words, that we are no longer slaves to sin. Slaves can't say no to a master. Sin is not our master. We can say no. 
And we do say no through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the blank, you can, or I'm sorry, one more uh, verse there from Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That freedom, freedom to live for Christ. In the blank, let's fill that in right away. Every day, I need to crucify my sinful nature. As long as I keep on sinning, I am a slave to it. But Jesus set me free to live a life of love. I wanted to, to keep these two points, the one before this and this one together on purpose. Do you understand how hard it is to live with a sinful nature? There's two pictures that are used here of what you need to do to the sinful nature inside of you. You need to drown it and crucify it daily. That's pretty morbid, okay? When, when you think about that, when, if you, the idea of a drowning and, and holding someone underwater, or even the crucifixion, the only crucifixions you've seen are of Jesus, and, and you, you see him laying there willingly, Imagine trying to crucify someone who didn't want to be crucified. I mean, I can't even imagine how many people it would take to hold someone down in order to make that happen. That is the way your sinful nature is and responds to the law and God's promises. There is a part of you, and, and you need to understand this, that wants to have nothing to do with this. And I see it in myself. And I see it in relationships. Oh my goodness, the sinful nature, mine and yours. Self-righteous, proud. You can, and this is where the connection is made. Whether it be in the relationship or, or the, the, the issue you're having with someone now or, or when you watch the news as well, and you see people who have a different point of view than you do, and you just start to get that hatred for that point of view and for that person, where you begin to see them as your enemy, not as your brother, as someone that you hate instead of someone that God has called you to love, a, a way that, that you can get them out of the way of, for what you want instead of serving them humbly as Christ has served you. See what I'm talking about? Oh, it likes to hide in so many self-righteous places. This is difficult. Beating it down with God's law and reminding yourself of the forgiveness you have in Christ. So essential. And then what will we have? Romans 6, 13 and 14. Do not offer any part of yourself as an instrument of wickedness. That's not what we do. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Underline that. Instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law 
but under grace. That is how we live our lives. Fill in the blank right away too. A life of sin is a life of misery under a tyrant. Please look at this in context of your life and your surroundings. Watch what happens when people sin and the fallout from it. That's where you identify that behavior that I talked about at the beginning, not wanting to share, getting in the fight, the way you treat. Look at that misery that comes as a result of sinful behavior. It happens every time. And instead look to Christ, where part two, a life of love is a life of freedom under grace. It's the same, that in my interaction with Christ and I'm reminded of his love and, and as he lets grace reign on a daily basis as he forgives me, that I let grace reign in my relationships with others as well. And now do you understand on a larger scale why it, understand, why it matters what you do? It matters what you do on a daily basis because what you are is an instrument in the hands of our God, who is a surgeon. I want you to think and, and mentally in your mind, imagine pictures you've seen of a surgery where, where the doctor is going in there and there are different tables with everything from scalpels to sutures to anything that could be used in that surgery. And every instrument, every instrument is important and every instrument needs to be put into the hand of a doctor who can use it. And as Christians, when you are put into the hands, the instrument not of wickedness, that's when you're in Satan's hands. Because they can do as much damage as they can good. You can do as much damage as you can good, depending on you as an instrument, whose hands you are in. And on a daily basis, going back to our Lord, Lord, as I said before, how can I thank you for all the goodness you've done to me? How can I let grace reign in my life as you have let gr grace reign in my heart as well? And then what happens is individuals like you and me who seemingly don't seem to make a difference, it doesn't matter what I do, begin to change the world and to begin to change eternity one heart at a time, as Christ has done for us. Don't give up doing good. Don't. Let grace reign in your heart. Let grace reign in your life. Let it overflow to a relationship, to a church, to a community, to a country, to a world that desperately needs it. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, oh my goodness, we come to you, Lord, because on the one hand, we're thankful. It, every day we need to go and, and remind ourselves that you were delivered over to death for us and, and you have be, been forgiven through Christ. And Lord, then what we need to do is, is as we, we focus on you, let your spirit rule in our hearts and let grace reign uh, every second of every day. 
Lord, please be with us. And, and as we come to you today, we, we just ask that you would uh, bring healing to relationships and, and you would start that change uh, by bringing healing into our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Uh, no longer a slave to fear. And what a great message as you leave here today that of, of all the things going on that we don't need to be afraid and uh, live with that confidence as being children uh, where grace reigns in your life. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.